Fight Podcast, hosted by Sergio Vicente. The Fight Podcast is brought to you by Sage Eats. Sage Eats is a Chicago-based healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring company. They deliver healthy, organic, custom meals directly to your home or office. For those of you not in Chicago, Sage Eats also offers online fitness mentoring where your personal fitness mentor will send you four weeks worth of workouts that are customized to your body and your goals. Your mentor is available seven days a week to answer questions and offer support. Sign up for Sage Eats at W www.sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off your first three months. Now here's your host of the FIGHT podcast, Sergio Vicente. Oh, we are here. What up, what up, what up, good people, and welcome back to the FIGHT podcast. Look, man, I got to start off with a little apology. It's been a little inconsistent, um, but we're back at it. We're moving around, man. Um, been working a lot, been traveling a lot. And uh, look, man, we're back home. We're set up in our studio and we're ready to get it cracking, man. We have amazing content coming for you guys. Um, and here's the thing. I want to start off by saying this. Thank you for everyone who tuned in to my appearance this past week on CLTV, that's a WGN network, um, the Chicago Sports Feed. It's an amazing show, Chicago Sports, they had me come on, and I broke down a little bit of baseball. You know, your boy knows a little baseball. Uh, I actually played in college for a hot second, but uh, I played there long enough to literally have a cup of coffee and I was done. But regardless, um, D1-2, bro, I wasn't bad, man. But again, I was there for like a hot second. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, we had me, like I said, I came on, we talked a little baseball, and obviously we talked fights. I talked about uh, this past weekend's card with Valentina Shevchenko, and obviously we talked about UFC 241, man. So thank you to everybody involved, man. Jared Payton was the host, if you guys do not know, for my Chicago people. That is Walter Payton's son, the legend. And uh, he was very kind to me, man. Everybody involved. Thank you all so very much for having me. And I cannot wait to be back on the show at some point soon. So everybody who hit me up, everyone who actually came on my uh, my my uh, IG and all my social media pages and, and congratulated me and everything. Thank you all so much. We're working. We're working and we're going to continue trying to bring you all the best type of content um, that's out there, bro. So that's what we on, man. So without further ado, yo, obviously, the Fight Podcast is brought to you each week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meals and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 10% off of your first three months. All right. Uh, check out the Fight Podcast, thefightpodcast.com. Uh, and also check out the Fight Podcast at www.thefightpodcast.com. All right. Uh, let's jump into it, man. We have had a busy, uh, about, a, about a week and a half, man. And I'm going to be very honest with you. It has been difficult to talk about fights because guess what? These cards have been absolute doo-doo. Bad cards, man. Um... Let's go ahead. I mean, each of these last, I would say the last two weeks, the Valentina Shevchenko card and the other uh, fight night with Chaos, Kobe Covington, Robbie Lawler. Yo, man, these cards are terrible. 
They're not put together well at all. There's not a lot of thought put in there behind them. There's a decent main event. There's a decent co-main event. But the rest of the card is just thrown together. There's enough fighters on the UFC roster. There's enough names to put consistently good cards out there. And if it's not the case, obviously don't make us pay for them. This upcoming week's card, the UFC 241, nah, that's a course of a different color. There's a lot of fire matchups on this card, and I will get to that in a moment. But let's go ahead and actually just dive back into quickly, and that's all it's going to take. It's going to be really quick. Um, this past week's uh, UFC Fight Night, that was on ESPN Plus with the flyweight. Uh, I call the featherweight champion on TV. Good God. But the flyweight champion, 125-pound champ, Valentina Shevchenko, um, Liz Carmouche too. Liz Carmouche with a record of 13 and 7 against the 18 and 3 defending champion Valentina Shevchenko. Um, look, yes, this was a rematch, but let's keep it a buck. Regardless of it being a rematch, it was early in their careers, very early in their careers. OG. Like, women fighting, you know, way back in the day. This fight was somewhere around, about like, nine years ago or so. Um, and it was stopped by Dr. Stoppage, from all accounts, because there is no video of this fight. But from all accounts, says Valentina Shevchenko was giving Karmush to business. She got caught with upkick, took a nasty cut. Fight was stopped. A, they gave it to Karmush. So... This fight starts off, and I'm going to be very honest with you. A lot of individuals are kind of shitting on this card. They're kind of shitting on this event. They're saying it was a lackluster performance, saying that it wasn't a good fight, saying that it wasn't anything. This is what I have to say about that, and I'm going to keep it a thousand percent. Valentina Shevchenko did what she was supposed to do. She's the champion. As the champion, you are supposed to go out there and win. Your she game plans, you go out there and you honestly do whatever your opponent gives you. Valentina Shevchenko is at her most dangerous when an opponent is coming forward. Look at what she did against Holly Holm, former 135-pound champion. Look what she did against Amanda Nunes, current 145-pound champion, current 135-pound champion. Look what she did against Joanna Janjacek, former 115-pound champion. Every time those women came at her, she beat the shit out of them. If you stay away from her, her style is not as conducive to attacking yes she's always going to come forward but again even looking at her last title defense against jessica i when jessica i came forward she got dealt with so when i go ahead and look at this fight liz carmouche wanted no smoke she wanted no smoke at all let's be honest she was going in and out she was never really in range she was never in range to get touched. She'd get back. She'd jump forward. She didn't want to engage at any, at any point in time, whether it be game plan or let's, again, be very honest with ourselves. She was in there with one of the best fighters in the world, one of the best female fighters of all time. Was she scared? Man, yeah. Yeah. 100%. She was terrified. Terrified. 
She didn't want any smoke. She did not want to end up on a highlight reel in the same capacity as Jessica I did last time out. Just what, five weeks ago? So, um, for all those talking about the fight, look, man, it, it's, it's not that big of a deal. Um, if we look at it, well, what was impressive about it? It was impressive that she went out there and did exactly what she was supposed to do. She looked good doing it. Now, if we look at the numbers, did Liz Carmouche looked as if she did more damage, right? Not damage. I say she, she ended up throwing more volume. But the difference was in significant strikes. All the significant strikes, all the strikes that actually counted were landed by Valentina Shevchenko. Valentina Shevchenko also had over eight minutes of control, just control on top and everything. Liz Carmouche had zero. Shevchenko dominated this fight, man. All right. What is next for her? A lot of people are sitting there clamoring now for the trilogy fight with the 135 pound, the 145 pound consensus goat in Amanda Nunes. I would love this fight. Even when I was on CLTV, I was like, yo, I would love to see this fight next. But I'm realistic. This fight's not going to happen next. And it shouldn't. Let's go ahead and continue building up this weight class. Let's continue building certain things up and let's continue growing. Now, who's next for her? Who cares? She's going to go on a Demetrius Johnson-esque run in this card. So um, all in all, man, look, Valentin Shevchenko is pound for pound right now. One of the best in the world. We can never take that away from her. Um, and honestly, in her weight class at flyweight, women's flyweight, man, the discrepancy against number one and number two, bro, it's not even close. She's light years ahead of everybody else. Um, all right. What's next on this? I told you it was quick. Not much happened in that fight, but whatever. All right. Let's talk about the fight that actually everyone is excited about. We're talking about the fight of the night. We're talking about Vicente Luque against Mike Perry. Yeah. What a fight, man. You know what I have to say? Yo, Mike Perry is uh well here let's 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 break the fight down a little bit um vicente luque ends up winning a split decision um it was a great fight again he ended up winning a split decision in that one um the scores were let me pull it up because i have them all here it was 29 28 split decision on all cards so one judge gave it for my pair the other two gave it for vicente luque I'm not mad at it, okay? I'm going to be very honest with you. Not mad at it at all. Um, it is one of those that um, could have gone either way. Both men had their moments. Both men went out there and looked incredible. And uh, the, the the idea of it and the thing that everyone's talking about is, yo, end of the third round, about two minutes left, Vicente Luque charges in, cracks Mike, uh, Mike Perry in the face. He ends up uh getting you know taking Vicente Luque down and gets caught in a guillotine he already has a cut so every time he Vicente Luque squeezes yo blood starts pouring out it was so gnarly it ended up looking like something out of at some horror movie yo it was nuts so he's fighting blood is pouring out he finally pops his head out with less than a minute left lands some solid ground upon fight is over they stand up the crowd is going nuts and then the camera pans to mike perry's face <gasps> bro 
This man's nose looks like a straight up question mark. He caught that knee, pushed his shit all the way back, and he still fought his ass off to try to win the fight. Holy shit. Mike Perry, sir, you say some questionable racy stuff, but at the end of the day, fam, I love watching you compete. Continue doing what you're doing. Uh, Please don't ever say the N-word ever again in your life. Um, but, or write it either. I can't stand that shit. But, uh, look, man, he's an incredible competitor, man. And, and look, he's great for the 170-pound division. Is he ever going to be ranked? Is he ever going to compete for a title? No, not at all. But he's one of the top guys in this shows. This guy is not ranked. And neither is Vicente Luque. And Vicente Luque, for instance, is on a six-fight win streak. He's fought some tough dudes. Brian Barberina, Mike Perry. Yo, and he is, and honestly, aside from Mike Perry, he finished those other, other five guys. Five guys. Ha, decent burgers. Small Cheval here in Chicago is far better. But... After this fight, man, I gotta love it. Mike Perry and Vicente Luque were on social media chopping it up with each other. And uh, Mike Perry said, fight of the night. It takes two. Thanks for the bonus. You didn't have to do my face like that, though. Sheesh. Curse with this chin. Should have had my guard up like you. KO or not, one significant strike can do the job. When I'm healing, we'll train so you can beat these wrestlers. Congrats, Vicente Luque. And Vicente Luque responded saying, looking forward to training with you. I'm sure we can learn a lot from each other. No doubt you're the toughest man I've fought. And we've showed everyone out there what fighting is about. Respect. Woo! Loved it, man. Amazing fight. Amazing respect by these two guys. Um, this is what we want to see, man. This is martial arts. This is fighting. Uh, this is a great time. So salute to both men by far. That was the uh, the fight of the night. Um, but like I said, the rest of the card kind of doo-doo. Don't feel like talking about it. So what we're going to do next is this. We're going to go ahead and move on, man. Let's go ahead and move on. We're going to bless a tad bit of fight news. And then after that, we're going to go ahead and talk about the up and coming UFC 241 because there, that, that's something that we deserve to talk about, man. That is something that, um, that's here, bro. So, um, honestly, the biggest news of the week is obviously this news with, uh, man, it's not even MMA. It is what's going on with Andy Ruiz and Joshua. And um, and Anthony Joshua. So what's going on there? When we actually look at it, the fight is actually re- recently have been. Um, they finally announced it. The rematch, the arguably the biggest boxing event of the year, is coming up, and this is for the IBF, WBA, WBO world titles. We have Andy Ruiz, who, in my opinion, is still undefeated because I thought he beat Joseph Parker. Um, he has a 34-on-1 record with 22 knockouts. Is coming out here to defend his title against Anthony Joshua, 22-on-1. Obviously, his last loss coming to Andy Ruiz, where he got dealt with, dropped four times uh, at Madison Square Garden in his U.S. debut. So they want us to run it back. And originally, all accounts saying that this fight, AJ's team wanted it, and Eddie Hearn, his promoter, wanted it in the UK. Ruiz was like, fuck that. And he ended up wanting it here in the States. 
It seems like Eddie Hearn was tossed a bag by the Saudi government. And now it seems like this fight is supposedly happened in, I'm sorry, I know I'm going to say this wrong. The, 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 I don't know, the Ria, the Ria in Saudi Arabia. That's supposed to be right outside of the capital city. And they're filling up, which sounds like, which is, I, I don't, I just, there's so much I don't understand about this shit. So it's in Saudi Arabia, first of all. The stadium is only supposed to fit around seven to 12,000 people. I don't like. So here's the thing, and this is my issue with it. So a couple things. Amnesty International all around the world in the UK and the US is saying that this doesn't make sense. Why would you be out here trying to sports wash what's going on with the Saudi government and how they and again, I talked about this with Brandon Camille on the boxing uh, edition of our show. But they're trying to sports wash their what's happening. Remember, they have beef going on with obviously all the actual terror attacks that have happened. They have ties to Al Qaeda and a lot of the other things on top of that. They also have killed and have admitted to killing an American journalist in Jamal Khashoggi. So well, you have that aspect of it. And a lot of people are like, why would you end up doing business with them? Now, let's look at the business of the fight game, right? The reason that they wanted Anthony Joshua here at Madison Square Garden in the first place was to end up having him fighting in the American market, bringing him to the American market. This happened again against Andy Ruiz and Andy Ruiz put the yammers on him ended up elevating Andy Ruiz's profile and not Anthony Joshua's. So they wanted to do it back home. Now they're doing it over here. So if it's in Saudi Arabia, the fight it is supposed to be December 7th, big football weekend here in the States. And the messed up thing about it is when you really think about it, it'll be sometime around three in the afternoon on the zone. Who in their right mind is actually going to watch that? So the idea that they had that they were actually going to go ahead and actually bring Anthony Joshua into the American market. What happened to that? And this is, this is me. This is what I believe. I think they're trying to hide in plain sight. They want to do it. Obviously Eddie Hearn got a bag. He's a dirty promoter. What else? Right? So they gave him a bag. They said they gave him roughly between 40 and 50 million for him to bring here for him. Selfish bastard. So that's what they wanted. They wanted it over there. So they're trying to, like I was saying, they want him to hide in plain sight. That means if it's there, a lot of Americans probably won't watch it. If he wins, we can say we won and then they can try to come back and build off of that. But if he loses, nobody really saw it. That's what I think is going on. They're trying to make sure they're trying to protect their investment and push over there. How do I feel about it? Yo, I think this is absolute booty juice. 100% booty juice. Like, this dude is trash for going over there. I do not think this fight should be there. I don't even think it should be in the UK. Run it back in Madison Square Garden. If it doesn't happen there, if he doesn't work there, if he loses again, guess what? You don't have the cards. I understand with the idea of you know, promotion and he was the original champion and it's a, it's on his terms. I get all that. But Saudi Arabia is trash. If you wanted a neutral site, do it somewhere in this time zone. Good God, man. So look, that's one of the biggest things that's been going on. Um, all right. The other big thing in the news, obviously, 
going to MMA every time we talk about Daniel Cormier and Daniel Cormier talks, Johnny Bones Jones come out the woodwork. So, DC said he only has two fights left in his career. He says he only wants, he said if he fights this fight, and then he said he possibly, he wins this one. If it, if it looks right, obviously John Jones. John Jones responds and says, I've been the lightweight champion for almost my entire MMA career. Never have I moved up to challenge a heavyweight champion. I'm simply not interested in it right now. Never seriously have been. So he's going out here. He's, he's saying this. And a lot of people are actually confused. They're saying, yo, why would you do this? Why wouldn't you fight, buddy? DC wants it at 205. John Jones does not believe that Daniel Cormier will cut back down 205 pounds to fight him at heavyweight. He doesn't want to put himself through that anymore. What do I think? I do believe they'll fight again. It seems like it probably will happen at light heavyweight. And I'm going to tell you right now. If the John Jones that fought Anthony Smith and the John Jones that fought Thiago Santos fights Daniel Cormier, he loses. We'll see what happens. This weekend will end up telling a whole lot. A whole lot, man. Um, but I don't know, man. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, these guys are intertwined, man. They, they really are. Yeah, man. Oh, by the way, Mike Perry, because of his fucked up nose, will actually be out no contact for six months, man. So we will see Mike Perry in 2020. <laughs> All right, yo, check it out. Um, let's go ahead and jump into UFC 241. And the reason I want to jump into it, because realistically, the rest of the fight news actually pertains to this. So. Starting off, obviously, we're going to go ahead and jump into the uh, championship fight. Daniel Cormier against Stipe Miocic. Daniel Cormier, 21-1-1 against Stipe Miocic, 18-3. Yo, Stipe Miocic is arguably the greatest heavyweight champion of all time. He is the longest reigning heavyweight champion. He had three title defenses, never been done before, until Daniel Cormier went ahead and dethroned him last July. So, remember this. Stipe has not fought since last year. DC had one title defense. He actually also, he uh, in December, November, December, he ended up beating Derek Lewis. He had to have surgery on the shoulder. He's been out for a while. Now he's back healthy, ready to rock. DC is the minus 150 favorite. Uh, Stipe is a plus 120 underdog. Even money, right? That's even money. Let's, let's keep it a buck. All right, so... When I look at this thing, uh, Daniel Cormier and Stipe, they have beef, man. Daniel Cormier has been going back and forth, uh, saying a number of things, saying how uh, DC, not, not DC, he's saying that uh, Stipe has been a little bit of a brat, right? He said, look, man, him sitting out this whole time, I will feel like he acted a little bit like a brat, like... I should get a rematch. I just thought he should fought again. It kind of rubbed me the wrong way because you know what? It worked, and now he gets a chance to fight the title again. So, yeah, there are things that we both dislike about each other, but at the end of the day, I'm not losing any sleep over Stipe Miocic not liking me. This is, the reality is Stipe just sat around. 
he didn't go back and do what he was supposed to do. He was talking about me in a way that just was like, I annoy him and everything. So you know what, man? Sometimes you gotta get what you ask for when you get it. When you're really, what the hell? When you really get it, get it, like he's gonna get it on Saturday. Now you've gotta live with it. It's gonna take a very, very tough man to bounce back from what I did to Stipe on Saturday night. And this is his interview with MMAfighting.com. So, um, I think Stipe has been a little bit of a brat. I do. And I like Stipe a lot. You got knocked out in the first round. Daniel Cormier, all because people can go back and say, oh man, Stipe looked good early going. Everybody looks good in the early going against uh, Daniel Cormier. He a lot of times loses the first round. He's getting timing. He's also a lot of times a shorter man. So he's trying to get on the inside. Go back and look at that fight again. When you actually look at that fight again, what happens? DC's walking forward. He's taking little shots. But right before the knockout, starting about a minute before, all of a sudden DC starts getting his timing. He starts cracking uh, Stipe and then slipping shots. He's not taking big shots anymore. All the way up until the moment that he knocked out Stipe Miocic. So how do I see this going down? I see him already having his timing. I see somebody in Stipe whom hasn't been in the cage in a year. I also see Stipe Miocic as somebody whom, I hate to sound like this, might be a little punch drunk. And if that's the case, because look, Buddy B, man, yo, they literally put subtitles under my man's now. He's nowhere near as articulate as he used to be. In that sense, I'm also a little bit concerned. We forget the wars that he's been in. Stefan Struve, Francis Ngannou, JDS. Yo, he's been, uh, DC, he's been in with some of the biggest hitters in the game and is taking the best shots from all of them. We might see the deterioration. Heavyweights in that capacity who've been taking shots like that don't last this, don't last the same. So we will end up seeing what actually happens in this fight. I'm going to be very honest with you. I think Daniel Cormier goes out there and knocks Stipe out once again. Daniel Cormier, we forget, has never lost at heavyweight. Never. He's 15-0 at heavyweight. 7-1 at light heavyweight. He has four title defenses at light heavyweight. He has one at heavyweight. The dude is a GOAT. He's one of the GOATs. He is generally on the Mount Rushmore of, uh, of MMA, man. So how do I think this goes? How do I see this fight going? I see DC winning. I'm going to say it goes a little bit longer. I'm going with third round TKO Daniel Cormier. All right. Moving right along, we're going to go ahead and touch on the people's main event. And that is the co-main Anthony Showtime Pettis, the former 155-pound champion with a record of 22-8 and eight against Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz makes his long-awaited debut. It's been almost four years since he's last competed. Um, Anthony Pettis is a minus-130 favorite. Nate Diaz is a plus-100. Diaz with a record of 20-11. Pettis with a record of 22 and 8. Even money also. Um, this is a great fight, man. Uh, these guys generally don't like each other. They have had beef for a long time. Uh, Nate Diaz sits there and calls uh, Anthony Pettis the, the Wheaties guy. And he actually on MMA Junkie said this. 
I for sure didn't lose to the McGregor match, but they treated it like you lost, go down the list, get out of here type of thing. When he lost the first time to me, it was the biggest thing. And he needed his rematch and he's obsessed with the Nate and all this marketing and how much he needed to get back and how great he is actually jumping in here for doing it. I'm like, hold up, man. How about the rematch I ever want? I ever wanted. That's when I should have jumped in my contract. Like, hold up. If I'm going to do this rematch, I want all my rematches that you guys never gave me. Then two years flew by. And the whole time I was sitting there like, when is somebody going to step their stupid ass up and call for a fight? Because that's what I did. Two years flew by and I'm like, I don't need to be begging anyone to fight. I don't need to fight. I beat the best guy at the moment. I beat the best guy and you're treating me like vanish. Then I'm like, fuck me. Well, fuck you. Then after a certain while, I'm like, what's wrong with these fighters? I'm a bigger draw, a bigger fight than anybody in the game. And you guys are just going to sit back and not participate. Put me in the outskirts. He dropped from the ratings and he turned down fights. So this is what Nate Diaz said about his why he hasn't been fighting. So he obviously he's a little irritated. He's pissy with Dustin Poirier. He said Dustin Poirier is a punk and he pulled out of the fight. He didn't actually want to fight him. He says Anthony Pettis is trash. He said we were supposed to fight a long time ago. So this is a little bit of a grudge match. This fight is also not happening at both men's natural weight class. I'm going to say it again. Both men's natural weight class is lightweight, 155 pounds, but they are not cutting weight, essentially, and they're fighting at 170 pounds, right? So, how does this fight go down? They, they obviously have beef that's going on. Anthony Pettis is great as of late. Had an amazing fight with Tony Ferguson. He had an amazing fight where he knocked out Top three ranked Wonder Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. What's gonna happen with these guys? What do we see? How do we feel? What how do I think is gonna happen? One's been active, one hasn't. Now, Nate's been in shape. Nate he does his his, his Iron Man's. Um, he does so many different things. Excuse me. But so I believe he's gonna come. And we also must remember, we must remember. That um, Nate Diaz is somebody who always looks great after long layoffs. He had a year and a half layoff before he fought Michael Johnson. And that might have been the best Nate Diaz that we have ever seen. So we know he's going to come with it. We know he knows it's a big fight. So I thoroughly understand. I thoroughly feel that we're going to get the best Nate Diaz out there. What's going to happen? One of two things. I have Anthony Pettis winning the fight. I think Anthony Pettis is probably going to go ahead and knock out Diaz. Even though Diaz is crazy um, durable. I think Anthony Pettis bring, he has a lot more creativity. I think he has a lot more weapons to utilize. He's great on the ground. He's a black belt in jiu-jitsu as well, just like Nate Diaz is. And here's the thing. Nate Diaz probably in the... Jiu-jitsu is better than Anthony Pettis, even though I think Anthony Pettis jiu-jitsu off his back is better. Wrestling, I have to give it to Anthony Pettis. Striking, I have to give it to Anthony Pettis. Boxing, I have to give it to Nate Diaz. So obviously it depends on where the fight goes. 
if the fight stays on the feet because of the litany of weapons that Anthony Pettis has, I have to give to Pettis. But we have to keep in mind Nate Diaz's pressure. Anthony Pettis looks like he might have been slowing down against Tony Ferguson and Nate Diaz brings a very similar amount of pressure that Tony Ferguson brings. If Anthony Pettis cannot get him out of there quickly, a la um, Conor McGregor, does his pace and pressure overwhelm him and he ends up pretty much outstriking Anthony Pettis? We also have to take this into account. Anthony Pettis over his last about four or five fights has been absorbing more strikes than he's actually dealt out. So these are little things we have to take into account. But with all that being said, I love Nate. Nate's one of my all-time favorites. I'm rocking with Anthony Pettis strictly because he has been more active. All right. Uh, the next fight on the card. Yo, this fight is fire. Um, we have the man. The, in my opinion, should be the uh, champion right now at... Um, <laughs> at middleweight, we talking about Yoel Romero, record of 13 and three against Polo Costa, the undefeated 12 and no huge prospect. Um, he is a plus 35 underdog. Uh, Yoel is a minus 165. Obviously, yo, this is another pick em. This is one of those fights that we're going to find out who Polo Costa is. We know who Yoel is. Yoel is the freak of freaks. The only thing that we have to worry about with Yoel is when is Father and Time going to go ahead and tap his ass on the shoulder? If it does not tap him on the shoulder yet, he he knocks Polo Costa out. He's durable. He's big. And Polo Costa, I, I have not seen enough out of him. Yes, he beat... Um, uh, your boy, we haven't seen him fall in a while. Remember, he had some PED issues. He's had some injury issues. Um, but the last time I saw him, he fought Uriah Hall. He got kind of dealt with in the first round, but ended up overwhelming Uriah and ended up catching him with some big power. I don't see that happening with Yo Romero. I got Yoel winning this fight and being right back in that title picture. But if Polo wins, hey man, he's in the mix. Um, also in this fight, we have, and this is my personal watch, the Fight Podcast friend, he'll actually be on very soon. Sadiq Youssef is the biggest favorite on the card, a minus 360 favorite. He's 9-1 against Gabe Benitez. Gabe Benitez is a tough dude. Um, I got Sadiq Youssef going out there doing work, man. And then um, to round out the main card, you got Derek Brunson against Ian Heimish. Ian Heimish, um, great story. Uh, if you haven't heard about him, uh, but he's a minus 180 favorite. Fighting against one of those um, gatekeepers in Derek Brunson. Tough dude. It means if you can get past Derek Brunson, who's always top 10, that means you're probably in the mix for a title at some point soon. Um, look at it, Israel Adesanya, right? Ian Heimish is a good dude. Um, I do not know if he has what it takes to beat Derek Brunson. To me, this is the, the most pick em fight on the entire card, man. So, look, man, there's some good, good, good fights um, in MMA, uh, or should I say in the UFC this week, real quick, let me check, let me see what's going on, Bellator, I'm gonna be honest with you, um, and this is just me, I was thinking about this recently, because I wanted to rank the, the organizations to this point in time this year, right, I'm talking about UFC 1, Bellator, PFL, and as of right now, I'm ranking it like this, even though UFC's had shitty cards this year, you still have to put UFC at number one, at number two, I put um, one championship. 
dude, the events that they have. Um, last weekend, Demetrius Johnson came back, got another W. Now in October, he'll be fighting for the the flyweight title there, which is incredible. Um, what's Eddie Alvarez also is going to be fighting for the lightweight title. He also won there. It's an amazing organization. Kickboxing. You have, you know, Georgia Petrosian. You have Yatsen Clyde Fairtex. You have Nikki Holskin. You know what I'm saying? Like there's so many Cosmo Alexandre. They're incredible, fun, fun, fun organization. They're by far at this point in time. Number two, Number three, I'm going with the PFL. What they're doing, they're fun, they're they're entertaining, and guess what? They're there because they're on ESPN and they're visible. And number four, unfortunately, I have Bellator. I never would know when their events are coming on. They they do not market them well. They're they're off that loss in obscurity with the zone. Don't nobody have the Paramount Network. They need some work to do, man. They really do. So right now, UFC is number one. One's number two. PFL's number three. And number four, I have to say, it's Bellator, unfortunately. Even though they've had the welterweight tournament, I don't think people are paying attention to it as much as they believed, even though it's an amazing tournament. I have said it myself. I thought that this is the best tournament in combat sports. But don't nobody give a flying fuck. All right, let's just keep it a thousand percent. Um, Yo, really quick. Because I don't think I, I've been able to really speak on this recently. Um, and I know I'm a little bit all over the place. The whole thing with Chris Cyborg, right? What's going on with that? She got re- um, released from the UFC. They're not going to match any offers. I always side with the fighters. Chris Cyborg made a mistake, though. Her team releasing the video that they did, lying on Dana White. It didn't benefit them. It made them actually look like the bad guy. It made Dana White for once look like a sympathetic figure. They fucked up. Now, where does uh, Cyborg go from here? I would love to see her fight for the PFL. Um, and fight, um, fight Kayla Harrison. Fight Sarah Kaufman. I think that would be incredible. I would also love to see her fight for that million dollars. Because I thoroughly believe that she would win. I would also like to see her in Bellator. They have a long-reigning champion over there, Julia Budd, who's an absolute monster. It'd be fun to watch, man. So, look, um, all in all, she'll be fine. Um, but I think that whole situation was just ugly. And it was a marriage that needed to essentially just end at that point in time. But check it out, man. Um, that's going to be it for today's episode of the Fight Podcast. I wanted to get something out. I want to break these fights down. And I want to get back in here. I want to talk to you guys, man. And I want to thank everybody once again for uh, for the uh, getting me on uh, CLTV. Um, everybody involved there. Um, my boy, Cameron Smith. Uh, who's, you know, awesome, man. He's the one who introduced me to everyone there. Um, we have the individuals, uh, Larry Howley, the producer there at, um, CLTV sports. Thank you, sir, for having me on the show. And, um, yo, everyone who listened, everybody who's helped, we're going to thank you guys as well. We're going to continue bringing you fire content. We're going to continue working on some really dope shit. And, um, yeah, man, this is what we do. Welcome back to the fight podcast. This is episode 131. 
I'm your host, Serge Vicente. Remember, the Fight Podcast is brought to you each week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meals and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 10% off of your first three months. All right? Check out the Fight Podcast on all social media platforms. Check us out on all podcasting platforms. Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Music, everything. We're here. All right? So uh, support the show, man, at the website, thefightpodcast.com. Love you guys. We'll be back very soon. Brandon Camille, I'm going to drop a couple episodes with us, man. We had a weekend episode where we went ahead and talked about the beef with uh, Ruiz and Joshua along with the other boxing news. So we will have a couple episodes with us going this week. Thank you all once again. This is Serge from the Fight Podcast. Love you guys. Peace out.